you have your Bibles, I want to read a passage from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 10. And um, last week, we started a series, sort of a series, uh, based on the song that you just saw, where you just sang, rather. And uh, Pastor Yuri uh, did an amazing job in preaching on this idea that God is a waymaker, Jesus is a waymaker. And today we're going to f- focus on that part of the song that says light in the dark. God is light in the dark. And I think for 2020, God knows we need it. In this time of darkness and the things that are happening around, I think, you know, I, I love that passage where it says that, you know, sin will abound, but grace abounds the more. And uh, no matter how dark things get, the light of the gospel shines. Jesus shines and he shines through us. So, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and we have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from Him, Him being Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is, there, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his, Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and that truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins um, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is a letter and is written by John. And uh, he makes it very clear that in God, there is no darkness. He is light. He brings light to the darkness. I don't know. If you ever walked into a room and it was really dark, when you flip on the switch, the darkness doesn't just decide to hang around for a while. It just goes away. Because at the end of the day, light is a source, is, is an entity per se. Darkness isn't. Darkness is just absence of light. So how do you get rid of darkness? Is by bringing in a light. I've yet to see a place where darkness decides to stick around when the light is turned on. When I was a kid, we had these frequent things in our village where they would turn off the power. And if you haven't experienced that, well, you're blessed. You're very blessed because in the middle of the day, you know, it was not as bad. But at 5 or 6 p.m., especially during winter, they would decide to turn off the whole power for the whole village. And you are literally sitting in dark for, I don't know, three, four hours until they decide to turn it back on. And of course, they always said it was for economic reasons, but I don't know. 
The point is that sitting in dark is not fun. I don't think you realize how much electricity or light is important until you lose electricity. I mean, I've experienced it even here when there was a storm and the light went out, it went out and I woke up to a really cold house. And you're like, I'm just going to go make some coffee. And then you realize the coffee maker runs on electricity. It's like, it turns out, no, no coffee for me this morning. And then you realize, well, maybe I'll just go ahead and just um, microwave something. Mm, about, and then you're like, you know what, forget all this. I'm going to go take a shower. About that, the shower is a cold shower. So you realize pretty quickly that without electricity, without light, is not something that is fun, is, is cold, is dark. Just like cold, uh, cold is, is the absence of heat, so is, is dark, darkness absence of light. Um, that specific time when lights would go off completely in the whole village, um, it was not a fun time to even be outside because there was no, there was no like, street lights or anything like that. It was really dark. And we had this, this bridge inside of a park that every single time I, I would have to go home from school, I would have to walk through this park. It was a creepy place, a weird place. And then this bridge was kind of about maybe 40 feet off in the air, and uh, it was made out of ropes, and there was, like, boards. So during the day, we would go and we'd just have fun on it by, by shaking it and do whatever we want on that bridge because it was just fun to, to do that. But this one time, I had to walk on it during the night. And I'm thinking, like, maybe I should take the long road home just because I was too scared to actually go on the bridge. But I just sort of, at eight years old, I manned up, and I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can go through this creepy place on this bridge. It's okay. I can do this. And I remember it was also a little bit icy. I remember where it's all dark, and, and I started to go on this bridge, and it's kind of creaking, and, and it's just really a scary situation. There's nobody around. And then, unbeknown to me, there was a hole in the board, and one of my foot just went straight into it. And I literally felt like somebody was pulling me down. Obviously, that didn't really happen. It's just I didn't know where I was going. And I remember just sort of jumping up and getting so scared and then just booked it home. And the whole time, I just ran home. And I remember how scary the whole situation was. Now, if this were to happen during the day, this would not be a scary situation at all. You probably realize pretty quickly that, guess what? There's a hole in that board. And you fell through. It's pretty straightforward. But in the dark, things are scary. When you don't know where you're going, things are scary. And we are told that Jesus is the light in the dark. He is the one who shows us where to go. I think what's even worse is when you are in a dark place, and it's not just you, but also now... You're in a dark place, but then you have people that you're leading. There's an expression in the Bible that says, how can the blind lead the blind? So when you have somebody that's going through a dark season, but they have a family, let's say a husband in a family, and they're going through a dark season, well, the whole family will feel that because it's like the blind leading the blind. When you have a pastor of a church who's in a dark season, who's not preaching the truth, the whole church will feel it. 
If you have someone as a CEO in the company that is blind or doesn't actually see the light, or somebody that lives in darkness, well, he's going to lead the whole company that way. And if he is lost, most likely everyone that follows him will also be lost. I think it's even worse when you have politicians in power that are blind. People that are in charge and they don't see the truth. That is really scary if you think about it. So I think if we watch the news and we see what's going on around us, we ask the questions, why are the the times so dark? Well, because we have a a whole bunch of people in charge who are blind to the truth of the gospel, and they lead others who are blind. And we see what Isaiah talks about where people call good evil and evil good. Look at this, in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, says this, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this passage right here in the Bible says that the unbelievers, if you don't believe in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, if you don't follow him, the, the enemy or the prince of this world, the God of this world, or the Lord G, Satan has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. They're not even able to see the truth. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates a person, that's when they're able to see the beauty of the gospel. That's why a lot of times when you preach to someone who has a, a, a heart that is closed, they will look at you like you're crazy because they can't see. I think the first thing that we need to do for unbelievers that don't know Jesus is to pray that God would open their eyes to see the gospel, to see the beauty of Christ, for God to remove the veil from their eyes, for God to remove the, the, uh, the hand of the enemy who's blinding them. So what's happening right now is you have a whole bunch of unbelievers that are blinded by Satan, and a lot of them are in charge, and they're leading others. And they are going to destruction. They're leading a whole bunch of people to destruction with them. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 16 says this, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is Spirit. So we are told that unbelievers are blinded by Satan. But when somebody turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit who, uh, and where the Spirit of the Lord, Lord, there is freedom. So, it says, when the Spirit of God comes in, it brings freedom, and for people are, and people are able to see. It says, when we all, so people, we, he refers to people who have believed in Jesus, who have opened their eyes, says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding 
the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Did you catch that? He says, we are being transformed. So what transforms a person? Is it self-help? Nope. Is it self-discipline? I mean, it can help, I'm guessing. Nope. What changes a person? What transforms a person? Well, if in case you missed it, it says, We all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. So what transforms a person? Is beholding the glory of God. Is looking unto Jesus, and he goes on to say, are, be, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So what transforms a person is to behold Jesus, and as we are beholding his beauty and the beauty of the gospel, we are being transformed into the same image, the same image being we are made into the image of Jesus. So what transforms a person? Beholding his glory. What transforms a person? Beholding his glory. And I know beholding is an archaic word, and we don't really use it that much anymore. But what does it mean to behold his glory? It is to look unto him, to see what he's doing amongst us, to be in his presence, in, in, the, in, the, in the presence of the Lord. That is what transforms a person. Uh, going back to our first text that we read in John, First uh, John one, uh, verse five says, "This is the message that we have heard from him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him there there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we, we do not practice the truth." He says that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. And if we say we have fellowship with him, again, the word fellowship is another word that we don't, I mean, how many times have you addressed your, your friends as fellows? You know, you don't really use like, no, we usually say a relationship, right? Like that's the more, but relationship and fellowship are not exactly the same thing. Let me explain. I have a relationship with my mom, namely she's my mom. We're related by blood. But my fellowship with her is a bit different. You see, when I moved away, when I used to live at her house, we used to have fellowship every day because I was in close proximity to her and I was able to talk to her and that was our fellowship. You know, we would have breakfast and dinner and, and she cooked for me and did all these nice things for me that I don't know how I still deserved. But regardless, our fellowship was in the things that we've done together we constantly spending that time together. That was my fellowship with my mom. Now, when I moved away, that relationship didn't change. She is still my mom. Our fellowships did change. I see her once a week now, maybe twice. So, relationship is a position that I am in regards to a person. What's the relationship with my mom? I'm the son. She's the mom. Fellowship is how that relationship is constantly expressed. In what ways is it expressed? So a lot of times we say things, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Yeah, but you could have a bad relationship with Jesus. 
You can have, unbelievers have a relationship with Jesus. Namely, there's no relationship. By default, there's no, I mean, I know what, what people mean by saying, do you have a relationship? Meaning, do you have a close, you know, personal relationship? I know that's what's implied, but really, you can have a relationship with a person. It could be a bad relationship. But fellowship is, is when we spend time together, the things that we do together, how we relate more than just are we by blood or not, how we relate with one another in our spirit and our soul is by spending time with one another. That is the nature of fellowship. And we are told that if we are saying that we have fellowship with Jesus, but we still walk in darkness, we are lying. What does that mean? What that means is that if we have fellowship with Jesus, we have to reflect him. If we are to have fellowship with Jesus, our lives need to transform and become like him. If you think of it this way, think of the sun, the moon, and the earth. When the sun is during the day, there is a light that is the source that comes and illuminates the, the earth, which is the sun. That's the source of the light. It illuminates the, the, the earth. But during the night, the sun is reflected on the moon, which brings light to the earth. So kind of does this, right? There's a passage in... Um, I believe it's John 9, 5, says this. Jesus says this. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. I understand Jesus is the light of the world, but why did he have to add that part that says, as long as I'm, I'm in the world? Well, the reason he added that is because a lot of people, we, we, I think even the modern day expression that we have nowadays is, is this, is like, do you have Jesus in your heart? Jesus is here. Right? Like, all of us would agree that we'd say, Jesus is here. But nobody goes into detail saying, Jesus is in this place by the Holy Spirit. Because you remember when Jesus left, he said, I, I have to go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit is not coming. So Jesus, is he physically present here? No, he's with the Father. Is he present here, here in his spirit? Yes, in the Holy Spirit, he is present here. Now, if you're a little bit confused, just stay with me for a second here. What I'm trying to say is when Jesus walked in the world, on the earth, he was the light of God in those 33 years that he lived on this earth. But then he left, and he sent to us the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit resides in us. So who is the light now? Remember how I said that you have the sun? During the day, there's a direct sunlight to the earth, but during the night, the sun goes to the moon and then to the earth. We are like the moon. We are the reflector of God's glory on the earth. So who's the light of God 
in the earth right now? It's not a trick question. It's kind of like, you know, the verse that we build this whole church on, Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to our, your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is the light. He came, he brought the gospel, and that light took a hold of our hearts. And because what Jesus has done in our life, he first came and he first removed the veil of darkness, he removed our blindness, and we are able to now walk in the light. And the next thing what he has done is he has showed how, how, how sinful we are, how in desperate need we are of him. If you walk into this room and it's all dark, there's no light whatsoever, everything just looks kind of the same, just black. But the moment you introduce light into this room, you start to see things that you haven't seen before. You see that there's chairs and then there's a hot tub. I don't know. Uh, this is baptism. Like you start seeing things that normally you did not see. And it's a good thing that you see it because you don't want to walk because there are stairs and then end up in there unless you're getting baptized. Right? So the light is able to first give you a way of seeing. And then when you start to see what is right and what is wrong, you can start doing some examination on your heart. You can start examining yourself and say, am I walking in the light? Am I, have I confessed my sin? You can actually see the true nature of who you are. I remember one time I made it all the way to work and realized um, my shirt was inside out. And that was because that was the time where the light went out and I dressed myself in the dark. Don't do it. it like use like a candle or something. Why? Because I did not examine myself. I just sort of felt, okay, that feels right. I just didn't see anything. And then I showed up to work and I was like, how long have I been wearing this? Why? Because I, in light, I started to examine the true nature of my, my wardrobe. <laughs> right? So when we encounter Jesus, he removes our veil. We are able to see. And then there's a moment, I think, when, you know, in, in the, the spiritual realm, when he first came to know Jesus. I mean, he was great. You showed up to church, and God is has touched your heart and, and you realize how good God is and how you are able to see now what is right and what is wrong and why that's wrong and so on. And then there's almost like a depression that comes over you and you're like, God, you are so perfect. And God, I am so sinful. God, how, how in the world have you decided to come for me? There's a real, realization how sinful we are. Don't despair. That's part of the process. But the whole point of you seeing how sinful you are is not for you to be depressed, but for you to change your shirt, to make sure that you wear it the right side out. 
The whole point of you to see what's wrong with your face or with your wardrobe is to be able to change it so you're not walking. The whole point of God bringing conviction into your life is not for you to go into a depression thinking how good God is and how horrible you are. No, it's for you to change, for you to repent, for you to turn around and to start to reflect Him. If I reflect my parents in any way, I do not want to show up to my job like I woke up from a nap in a time that I've never taken a shower in the last three years. Like, no, I want to represent them well. Right? So, so when we show up on Facebook or Twitter, when we show up in the public square and we're just as depressed and we're just as desperate and we are just as angry and we are just, just as partisan. When we start showing up like that, that tells the world that the gospel, and the light that you've been preaching about, you obviously don't see because if you did see it, that should cause you to change. You should have hope when everything seems to be burning around you. You should have joy when everyone's depressed. You should, to ch- should choose hope amidst of all the, other, like all the other options that are not hope. Right, right? So when we walk in the light, we're able to see the true nature. And when we see our true nature, it's not given to us to, to sort of see it and get depressed. No, it's for us to change and to become like him. But how do we change? Okay, Slavik, you convinced me. I want to change now. How do you change? By being in fellowship with Him. By reflecting Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him, verse 6, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we claim that we have fellowship with the Lord, if I claim that I have a fellowship with my mom, but I don't become more like her and she's not becoming more like me, most likely there's no fellowship there. Let me put it in a different way. If you are driving with someone, where you go on a trip for, let's say, four days with someone, by the time you get back, you're both going to have some inside jokes unless you really don't like each other and you spend the whole time apart, if you had fellowship for four days with someone, you will talk like each other. You will, will have certain things that you'll pick up. Why? Because you've been spending time with that person. You've been having fellowship. And because of that, I think the expression that we use nowadays is you rub off on each other. You just become like one another. But if you are hanging out with, I don't know, Reinhard Bonke, but you, but you become like Hitler, maybe you have not been really hanging out with Reinhard Bonnke. No, because, because you can't say you have fellowship with God and act like the world. You can't say you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and just be as angry, as paranoid, as joyless like the world. So it's not just a question of relationship. It's are you having fellowship? Just like the sun reflects on the moon. Are you constantly reflecting his glory? Because if, if there is sin or something that interrupts that, 
Well, there's no light, and it doesn't change you. You don't reflect light. You don't reflect hope. You don't reflect joy, kindness, gentleness, peace. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us all from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. and his word is not in us. I'm pretty sure you have experienced at least once in your life where somebody just says, well, but but what's wrong with me? I'm perfect the way I am. I mean, I'm praying for our president, but when he said that, he said, like, I don't need forgiveness. And I'm like, boy, (laughs) you need forgiveness. Like, I pray for you, and I love you, and like, but when you say things like that, that you don't need forgiveness, I'm like, all of us need forgiveness. And if somebody that goes to church and they say, well, you know what, I've just attained perfection, that's how you know somebody's lying. There is no such thing as a person that says, you know what, I'm perfect. No, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. So, remember why I told you when you walk in the light, you start to realize that the way you walk, the stuff in your life, is not according to God's Word. And every single time you get closer and closer to Him, it's going to start to, to, to show you even more things that you didn't even know He was there. I used to walk into stores and steal stuff. I mean, that was before... Jesus. And uh, now, like, I remember I used to work at Boeing, and I would just walk around with a pen that I got from Boeing, and then I would get in the car, and I realized, oh, the pen is still in my, my pocket. And I'm like, I should probably go back and put it back. Is this stealing? It used to be where it didn't bother me at all, what I was doing, just walking blindly, just, just stealing something from a store. But then the closer you get to him, the more stuff you see in your life. Things that didn't bother you before, now it's starting to bother you. The way you treat people, the way you conduct your taxes, and all the other stuff that goes with it, right? For anything that becomes... So so he goes on to say that um, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says this, he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When you start to walk in the light, you start to see everything else. And that's why we say abortion is wrong. Because we understand that God is a God of life. I love how Pastor Yuri says this about Halloween. And people are like, do you guys celebrate Halloween or not? And Pastor Yuri, I think, was, said this. He says, you know what? I just don't celebrate Halloween because I celebrate life, not death. I'm like, debate settled. <laughs> because God celebrates life and not death. And if you can make Halloween about life and preaching the gospel, celebrate that. But when you celebrate death, that is not of God. Right? So, so when we see the light of, of God, it changes us. It transforms us. Look at this. Ephesians 5.8 says this. For a one time you were in darkness... But now you are in the light. 
Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. So the result of walking in the light is that our lives should have the fruit of light, which is found in all that is right and true. So how do you know you're walking in the light? By being attracted to things that are right and true. Things that are honorable. Things that are pleasing to the Lord. Things are of righteousness and holiness. But if you have done something, you're like, man, how do I do this so, so people don't find out about it? You're trying, to, you're trying to cover it up. You're trying to stay in the darkness. When you expose it to light, you're able to deal with it properly. You are able to call it for what it is and say, that was pride, that was greed, that was anger. So the fruit of walking in the light is we see things that are true and right. So how do we walk in light? We walk in light by walking in obedience. By constantly following the precepts, the principles, the rules, yes, rules that God has set in place for our lives. By walking in obedience, we say, God, you are God of my life, and it's not I that I'm on the throne of my life. You are the throne of, uh, on the throne room of my life or the throne of my life. How do we walk in the light? We walk in, in love, not complaining. Imagine if we had a church where people who are serving in this church are outside in the parking lot and people are walking in and they're like, hey, how are you? How, how, how has life been with you? Truly, genuinely care about people from the parking lot and they walk here to the greeters and greeters saying, hey, do you want some water? How can I serve you? How can I love you? And they come in this place and somebody sees they, they're sitting by themselves and you walk up to them and say, hey, I saw you were sitting by yourself. My name is, can, can, I, can I get you something? You know, ask him genuine questions. Well, you know what that experience is going to do? What that experience is going to do is going to emphasize the message that will come from the pulpit. And when we sit up here and we preach that God is love, that person who walks in will say, you know, it has to be because look at the way they treat one another. The way they served me. Right? So, so when we are walking in the light, we are able to not only examine our lives, but as a church, as a body of believers, to pursue the things that are true, that are right, that are honorable, that are lovely, that are holy, that are righteous. As, as a church. So we walk in the light by walking in obedience, by walking in love. There's a passage that says that they will, lo- they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Can the world look at any church, City Hill included, and say they must follow Jesus because you can never explain the, the way they love one another. I was part of that. I walked into that church and I felt that family atmosphere. And how do you walk in love? 
in obedience to the Lord, in love towards one another, and in all things we walk in truth. You see, love is not really love if we walk in, if we lie, if we fake it. You know how the whole culture nowadays is fake it till you make it. No, true love is done in truth. When you ask for someone how their exam was, truly care about listening to them. I know a lot of times when I came here and people would ask me, how are you? And I would just like go on a rant like, you know what? I'm doing. And then my cousin would be like, you know, that's just a formality. People don't really want to know how you're really doing. No, it's just people, they just say that. How are you? But imagine if you actually said that and you actually wanted to know and to hear that person out. Because you see, when we start to do this, when we start to walk in obedience, when we are in constant fellowship with Him, when we see a love that when people walk in, in this place, they say they have to love Jesus because you can't explain this. I mean, there's a lot of things I could have gotten angry about, about, but like they just were loving and kind. When you walk in truth, what happens then is you become the light. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. Have you really taken that and really thought about it? You, a follower of Jesus, right now, you are the light of the world. You're like, man, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. There's still some sins in my life. How in the world does God say that, that I am the light of the world? Well, that's what he says. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. The same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why should you be the light? So they would see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why should you be the light? So they may see your good works and give glory to the Father. So why should you be the light? So they may see your good works and not to give you glory. Oh, Slavic, you're such a great guy, you know. No, 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 that's not the point. The point is, you know what? The way you cared about me tells me that God cares about me. And I want to just give, I know that the, the Jesus that lives inside of you, that's the one who, I'm, who, I, who I worship. Because if it wasn't for him, you'd probably be just like me. And you're right. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would be like the world. Hopeless, paranoid, fearful. So we are to be the light, not for people giving us glory and say, oh, you're such a great Christian. We are to be the light because we represent Him. And people would see the light that you, that you show. When, 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 when people on TV are so scared and running in so many different directions and you are able to say, you know what? 
I've read the last book and I know how this all ends. I know that God sent his son, died on the cross, and because of his sacrifice on the cross, he has defeated the enemy. And no matter how bad things get and how dark things get, I know the one who sits on the throne and I have fellowship with him daily. And because I have fellowship with him, I have a hope and a peace of God that transcends all understanding. That is the hope that the world is in desperate need of, of hearing, of seeing. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you can, stand with me. And um, I'm going to ask you to just kind of bring before the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, have I been the light? Have I encountered you? Lord, am I still blind to who you are? Jesus, would you remove the veil from my face? Jesus, would you show me the way? And while you're at it, could you just change and transform me? Look at my life and see the sin that, that, that needs to change. And Lord, would you show me, like I, I saw the shirt that was inside out, like, Lord, show me the things that are not in, in the right place in my life. And God, after that, help me to walk in love, in obedience, and in truth in my community, in my school, in my job, in everything that I do, Lord, I want to walk in the light. And as I walk in the light, that I be able to reflect your glory, that I be able to reflect your light, Lord. And like the moon shines the light on the earth, that I might be able to bring hope and restoration to my community, to my sphere of influence, to my family. Thank you for listening to this podcast and my hope is that this message inspired you to live in light of eternity. Please make sure to subscribe and it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review this podcast. If you have an event that you'd like me to speak at, I would love for you to reach out to me via my website. You can also support this ministry via Patreon or the website. Thank you again and God bless.